So today I, I have what I believe the Lord gave me uh, to talk about today, and I promise I won't be before you long. But there is a word from the Lord. John 13, 1 through 7. We're going to go to John 13, 1 through 7. And I'm going to read it in the King James. So John 13, 1 through 7. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he departed from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So verse 2, at the supper, at the supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Ascaragus, Simon's son, to portray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, Verse 4, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took the towel and girded himself up. After that, he poured the water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had was, was girded with. Then he came to Simon Peter and said to him, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered in verse 7 and said to him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. I want to talk for a few moments the title, The Power of Knowing. The Power of Knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G. The Power of Knowing. So the word know means to perceive or understand as a fact or truth to apprehend clearly what is certainly certainty. I don't know the full situation is an example. So how many times have you probably said in your lifetime, I didn't know that, you know, you hear that, that phrase a lot. Probably because so many times we've said that and you can't count it. But I want to go back to the scripture and then I'm going to continue. A few things I want to pull out. In verse 3, knowing that the Father had given him all things. See, Jesus already knew that the Father had already given everything in his hands. So he already knew the power of knowing. And then when he was talking to Peter, oh, Peter. He was always the one that talked up, right? But Lord, are you washing my feet? Well, yes, I am. But you don't know why, but you'll know after this. The power of knowing. I want y'all to go with me. Amen. What you don't know can hurt you. Y'all believe that? What you don't know really can hurt you. Jesus knew his father's voice. He knew who he was, and he knew what he came to do. So it didn't matter. No one could get him off of it. He knew what he came to do. So as a blood-bought Christian, there are some things we should know. I want to talk from three points. Know God loves you. Know you have an enemy. And know where you are. Know God loves you. Know that you have an enemy and know where you are. So my first point, know God loves you. You know, wrapped up in love, his love, wrapped up in his love is so much for you. So expansive, his love for you. He gave his son for you, his beloved son, that you could live and sit here today. 
So, so many scriptures on love. Jeremiah 31 and 3. The Lord appeared to me from ages past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So therefore, because I've loved you with loving kindness, I have drawn and continued my faithfulness to you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes and trusts in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John first, the book, the love book that God left for us. First John 4 and 16. And we have known and believed the love of God had to us. God is love. And he that dwelt in love dwelt in God and God in him. That's how much he loves us. You know, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I immediately felt the tangible love of God. I did. Uh, It was a great experience. That's why I try to talk about it. Because I want you to go back and remember the day Jesus set you free. Amen. It's so important because you can put, you know, put that in a double face. You know, your Goliath head. I got saved this day. Back up. You know what I mean? Amen. So it's important to know that. But I remember when I first became a Christian, I could feel the tangible love of God. It was, and I've heard this down through the years, that there is a, a, a piece in you that's missing and that only he could feel. People try to fill it with drugs and money and, and all kinds of things. But that empty space is a, can only be filled with the love of God. And along with being saved came this beautiful peace. Because I was not in peace. I was in turmoil, my own thoughts, just the way I was raised. And, I, you know, on the onset, I was raised in a pretty good, you know, family, if you just look at it. But on the inside, I had no peace. It has been the love of God that has sustained me, sustained me all these years. I'll never turn my back on him. I love him because I know he loved me. I knew what my life was like before. So amen. There is a love that in God that you can know, and you can know it until you go be with him. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, which means to look. All things become new. So when you become a new Christian, you, you immediately, or not immediately, but, you know, down through the course of it, you get people saying, like Pastor used the, the uh, illustration last week, you've gone on Jenny Craig and, you know, your before and after picture. If your before of Jenny Craig is 425 and your after is 425, there's not been a change. But when you know the love of God and you understand who he is and what he did for you, that love solidifies you. It does. It does. And I've just known that all over the, all over the years. And I've been through some hard things. I've been through some hard trials. But I never forgot the love of God. So to know the love of God is very important. Also, I wanted to talk on this point. I was asking the Lord about this and so I'm, I'm going to share this. So I remember years ago, I was led to talk to a, a homosexual man, and he was a musician in his church where he professed to be a Christian. So, you know, there are different things when you're talking to people who profess to be a Christian than those who are not. The world is not saved. They're, you know, they're not saved. They don't know Jesus yet. Their spirit has not been born again. So I never forget, and it broke my heart. I, it was right here on Uvalde. 
used to be a post office back here by this Mexican restaurant, Duval in Normandy. I'll never forget it. He walked in the P.O. box, and the Lord told me to talk to him. So I turned to him, and I started talking to him, and I said, um, I said, you know God loves you. He said, yeah, I know God loves me. And he admitted yes. And I said, he could set you free from this lifestyle. I said, you're a musician in your church. He says, yes. I said, he could set you free from this lifestyle. And he says, with the, I would never forget this look. It was like, the, it was one of the most devastating looks I'd ever seen on a person. He said, I know you're right. He said, but I love when people clap for me and praise me. I never heard that. It's like I was talking to the devil himself because that's what happened with Satan. He got rose, you know, he got in pride and lifted himself up. This musician says some of those very things I believe that uh, let the devil, that he got kicked out of heaven. So he said that he loves the, the, the claps of men and he doesn't, and he wants to keep that going. And I walked out of that post office, and I must have cried for hours because it broke my heart that he wanted to go to hell because that, that he, loves, he loves the fame of men. He loves the, the pride of life and the clapping and all that industry brings. And I don't know where he is today, but you got to he, – he, and, and that's what I'm saying that to say because – when you talk to people and you evangelize them, that's the first thing they say. You know, I know God loves me. Yes, he loves you, but he, he, he ain't sin. He's a holy God. He's a just God. And so this musician, he, that's the first thing he said. It's like that he knew I was coming to talk to him. It's like people, God has sent people. You know God sends people right across people's path. So I wasn't the first person. He said, well, God loves me quickly. And I said, yeah, he does. But he wants you to accept him. And, and live for him and not fool people in the church being a, behind a musician. And so I share that testimony with almost a great, um, great remorse because I, I always wonder what happened to him. But it just really struck my heart that he loved the praise of men more than God. And he was a Christian or professed to be a Christian. So we could do that. We could step to those that profess to be the Christian. Amen. So uh, Romans 2 and 4 says, and the Amplified, I'm going to read it. Are you so blind, trifling pressure upon and despite and underestimate the wealth of his kindness and forbearance and long-suffering patience? Are you unmindful or actually ignorant of the fact that it is the goodness of God that's intended to lead you to repentance? to change your mind and inner man to accept God's will. So it's the love of God, the kindness of God that draws men, amen, to repentance. And uh, I don't remember if I've shared that, shared that scripture that day with that young man, but I did talk to him at length. So I pray that he accepted Jesus. First John 3 and 1, see what incredible quality of the love has the Father has given that he's shown us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And we are so. The reason is the world does not know, recognize, or acknowledge us, that they don't know us, recognize him. So when you try to talk to people, they're blind. The Bible says in, uh, I think it's Second Corinthians, that they're blind by the God of this world. So they walk to the course of this world. They can't even understand what you say. They don't understand spiritual things. So a lot of times when you're, when you're doing that, you're coming up against all those things. But greater 
is he that lives in us, amen, than he that's in the world. And according to Matthew 29, which Pat talked about this morning, that's what we are called to do, is to go make disciples and share Christ, amen. That's one of the reasons we were saved. That's why we're here, amen. So we, want, we don't want to get it twisted of the benefits of a believer because we need an ROI. God needs ROI, return on his investments, amen. Amen. So that point was, no, God loves you. He loves you. So the devil comes and tells you he don't love you. No, God loves me. He does. He died for you. He made a way for you. Amen? Amen. My second point, know that you have an enemy. Always know that you have an enemy. I've talked to people over the years and say, you know, I really don't talk about the devil. I don't give him all that play. And I'll be like, I'm... (laughs) But not to act like he's not there is, is foolish. I remember when I first became a Christian, I, was, I'd re- I read these books, and since then the Lord has told me to throw them away. I don't even say the name. But uh, I would read these books, and, you know, being a, a, a good girl going to church every Sunday, when I read this book, I was like, the devil is really real. I don't know. Well, when I was a little girl, let me let me paint the picture. When I was a little girl at our church, we would have the devil's funeral, which was so I never did get that. Then the Baptist church, we would have the devil's funeral, and then in the casket would be cigarettes, and uh, it, I don't even remember. It's just like everything you could think of that reminds you of the devil. You know what I mean? So it was all in the casket. I was like, I never knew why they did. So we always had this like pitchfork uh, mentality of the devil, like. He ain't real that much because he was in a coffin right there with a cigarette. Anyway, I never could understand that. But my point is, when I read this book when I became a Christian, my eyes were so, I did not, I did not know that Satan was real. It was like, now, okay, I would read this book in the middle of the floor, daylight, not at night, you know, about demons, you know, and. And it, it fits because I'm a deliverance minister. So I've always been interested in, um, in, in that. So when I read it, I was so astonished. I couldn't believe it. And so growing up like that, so many people grow up like that. They don't pay attention to the devil. Oh, I just don't even worry about him. Well, he could be beating your brains out because what you don't know will hurt you. You better know you have an enemy that hates you. And he doesn't want to see you succeed. He wants to think, let you think that he's a pitchfork walking around here and all that foolishness. No, he is an enemy and he hates you. Amen? So today we're going to talk about you know you have an enemy. I want you to know it. And let's talk about it. Jesus knew the temptation of Christ, Matthew 4. And I'm not going to read all this, but this was right after Jesus came off of his fast for 40 days. And he was led by the spirit up in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led there. So the the conversation between him and the devil, he takes him up on his pinnacle and say, everything you'll see, I'll give it to you. I'll go ahead and give it to you. You go on down and, you know, you do this. And he was talking to him. And then Jesus in verse 10 said, Satan, get the hints behind me. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and only serve him. So every time he would come with, I'll give you this, I'll do that. Turn these, these stones to bread, you know, telling Jesus what to do. He would always come back with the word of God. You know, 
I have seen so many Christians miss it right here. I want you to hear my heart this morning. You got to know you have an enemy, and he wants to get you with offense, and he wants to get you with, why they looking at me like that? When people could be further from looking at you, they could be minding their own business. That's what the devil does. He plants stuff in your head, and before you know it, you way over here when you should have been right here listening to the word of God, but we go with what we hear the devil say, and we just make a whole thing out of it. That's why I love the, the, um, the series that Pastor did um, the brain, get out of your brain, break up with your brain because you, you have made choices all your life with this same bad brain. And then you think you're going to come over to be a Christian. You're going to make the same choices. That's we're spiritual. We, our spirit is new is reborn again. So you have to learn how to be spiritual. It breaks my heart, and I love to disciple people. That's the part that breaks my heart, that you let the devil win when you have everything that you need. I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about fly-by. I'm talking about people I have seen have been truly converged, and their life have changed. And I know that they say, but they let the devil get them every time right there. Don't do it. Use an example. Our example was Matthew 4. And 10, when the devil talked, when he would come to him, no, be quiet, shut up. You, you know, it is written. It is written. It is written. You don't hear anything else I say today? Use the word of God to put the devil on the run. We don't have to keep, and so many Christians miss it right here. I see it. I've been saved for 27, 8 years. I lost count. And I see it over and over and over and over again. Right there. And then you see them in the store and they just back to everything they were. Just backslidden, backslidden, backing it up, smoke, whatever. They just all the way back, backslidden. Because they let the devil lie to them. So, whew, praise the Lord. Uh, in 2020, when I got my new house, the warfare was great. Let me tell y'all something about warfare. So um, my old house became my ministry house. So I moved, and then here comes the devil. Now, so, look at it like this. The spirit led Jesus up to be tempted, led him up there to be tempted. Now, if Jesus did everything we're going to be doing, he's tempted at every point. Don't you think we're going to be tempted and something's going to come for us? Do y'all believe that? So, 2020, here go the devil. Girl, you don't need that house. Yes, there's going to be trouble. How are you going to manage two houses? And I'm telling you, it would be slick, kind of almost like in the garden with, Eden, uh, with Eve and stuff. It would be like sensual and stuff and I and I was like shut up but do you think he went away no because he came again girl look how much they asking for this house girl how you gonna pay for that you can't afford all that but I knew what the Lord had said remember Jesus knew what the Lord had said see the ministry house is gonna be for the kingdom it's not for the devil so he knew he was gonna come against me and try to discourage me to not to do it. And that was a really trying time. Because I didn't tell a lot of people. I didn't tell my family. I think I told them two weeks before. They thought I was crazy, of course. But 
I was so glad I waited because when you let people in your dreams, they'll, they'll take it and shred it up. You can't talk to everybody about everything. Girl, what, what, how you go, who, who, you know, and all, all that stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I knew what God had said. Now, there's a difference. I knew. I knew this ministry has been birthed in my heart for years, so I knew it was time. I knew it was time. i never forget Pastor preached about now. That was my turning point. I was like, my legs was trembling. I said, Courtney, I'm, I'm going to get a house. And, I, and Lord knows, I tried. Thank God for Courtney. He was really patient with me. I was trying to do something else, but the Lord kept sending me back this way, and I kept trying to do this and, and revert. I know, Courtney, you was probably going home saying, Sister Alondra, what in the world is she doing? But anyway, my heart was in the right place. But just the warfare that came with that. And I want, amen, I have the victory over that situation because God has blessed me with all spiritual blessings. Amen. It comes with a price because when I had my open house for the restoration house, nobody was there except my beautiful church family. Amen. It comes with a price. So it's okay. It's all good because I knew what God said. Amen. So I heard Bill Winston, and Lord, Bill Winston can preach you out of coma. He really can. He can preach you out. But he was talking about when him and his wife were first married, and they, you know, when you first get married, you had the honeymoon stage, and, you know, I love you, I love you, you know, your eyes are glistening and all. So that's the stage. So after that, he said, uh, that wore off, and all of a sudden, <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. He said, the, uh, in his head popped up, that chicken surely is white that she cooked. She can't cook chicken. I'm like, she don't really look that cute no more. I mean, he was just like, the devil was giving all this stuff. And then he said, I married the wrong person. I didn't marry the right person. This Bill Winston said, now, y'all go look it up. He said it. So he was saying, um, he had, I like this quote, he had to run out the image that was on the inside of him. See, that generational curse comes for every generation. Every generation, it sits there and it waits. It's very patient. It sits there and wait, and it, and it wake up, oh, he got married. Oh, well, let me go and put this divorce card on, because their mama got divorced, their grandma got divorced, their great-great-grandma got divorced, and nobody stayed married. So let me go and put this in his head, because he's next. Did it matter that he was a Christian? No. Remember, Jesus got tempted. He was led up in the wilderness to be tempted. So it didn't matter that he was a Christian. That generational curse was coming from, for him. I want you to look at the patterns in your family. Take a moment. Look at the patterns in your family. Does everybody smoke weed? Everybody live on the government? I don't know. I want you to look at the patterns of the generational curses in your life. And I want you to deal with them. Let the enemy know that he will not have your generation, your what's coming after you, your lineage. He will not have you. You will be the person, the pioneer that will stay and say, no, I ain't got to have five children before I get married. I don't have to. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to live on the government and don't and get unemployment and get checks for the rest of my life. I don't have to do that. Amen. So look at the patterns. 
know or do you have a pattern of failure? Is everybody in your, your family fail? Are they all fornicators? Uh, is someone always the other woman in your family? I want you to know them curses are coming for you, but they don't have to get you. Not today, because you heard this word. You go after, you say, no, I know who I am. I know in whom I believe, and I will not lay prey to the devil and his schemes. Amen? Amen. And so you know the end of the story. Bill Winston said he told the devil to shut up. He took authority. He had to run that image out. And then as soon as he did, his wife was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. And that chicken wasn't, wasn't white. It was brown all along. But that's, that's how the devil would do. That's just how he'll do. He'll come. He'll do that. Ah, okay. So I remember when I first got married, uh, I lived in these apartments right here on Normandy, uh, on uh, Wood Forest. They were nice, 99 nice back in the day. And um, my former husband worked at night. And I remember I was watching... Um, I think it was B B E T and it was a video. And I, I'm just gonna say it because I'm gonna say it. Uh I would, you know, I was newly saved, first of all. Newly saved. So I was watching this video called Do Me Right. I I forgot the name of the group. And so the devil, it was just like, it was like he was I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but I, it's almost like a slither, a suggestive undertone. And he said, your husband ain't here now. You need to go find your man to do you right. I said, you sure right. I need to go and find me because he ain't here at night. I'm going to just go. Yeah. And so, young Christian, here I go. I'm going to the club, which at 21, before I got married, I fell asleep in the club. So the club ain't never been me. It just had. And there's been other stuff. But anyway, I would try. I, <laughs> I was so awkward. I, and you tell I was a Christian because I would try to go to the club and flirt. I didn't even know how to flirt or nothing. I was so awkward. Then finally, <laughs> I was at home one day, and the, and the Lord spoke. He said, if you do this, it will change the course of your life. It will destroy your life. See, the same generation of curses tried to come on me through my bloodline. And they did. And I was just like, when... Immediately when the Lord told me that, I just wept on the floor. I cried for hours because I almost, almost made a wrong turn. And I wouldn't be standing here today, amen? I wouldn't be standing here today because that thing was going to take me off and never bring me back, amen? Amen, hallelujah. So you got to look at the patterns in your life. If you were a liar before you uh, became Christ to Christ, you'll continue to be faced with lying. If you were a womanizer before you came to Christ, that'll come. It'll try to come. If you're lazy, let's don't just get all the big stuff before you became a Christian. You got to deal with that laziness. You do. Amen? So I want you to uh, turn with me to Romans 12. I want you to lay your eyes on this one. Romans 12, 1 through three and this is an amplified uh virgin therefore i urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of god to present your body uh dedicated of all yourself set apart as a living sacrifice holy and well pleasing to god which is your rational logical intelligent uh, act of worship Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world any longer to its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you are mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. 
focused on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect, and plan and purpose for you that you have to establish for yourself. So when you get saved, your spirit is saved immediately. Your spirit is wakened. It was, we just read in Second uh, t- t- Timothy, it was dead. Now it lives. When you're, born, or when you're born again, your spirit is renewed at that moment. But it's your soul. That's why I read uh, Romans 12. You've got to present your body as a living sacrifice. You've got to work that stuff out of your soul. And, guys, it's not easy, but with the Lord it can be easy. You're going to face things. You're going to be faced with want to give up, with being offended. But you got to go through that. It's the markings of a Christian. I preached that years ago. It's what's to expect it, that you will have hard trials. But what the word tells us, to endure hard trials like a soldier. We are soldiers in the army of God. We didn't get saved or lay down. We got saved to fight and fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. So you got to work it out of your soul. You got to work it out. So today, if you're dealing with that today, I want you to ask the Lord to help you. Just talk with him right now. Ask him to help you with that one little part. Why do I keep getting right here and stalling out like a stall cup? And you just can't. You get right here and you, you can't go no further. Deal with this. Deal with your soul. So scripture even tells you to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Not going to heaven soul, trans, you, you know, that, because your spirit is saved immediately. But you got to work that stuff out of your soul, guys. Amen? Number three, know where you are. I'm almost done. Know where you are. Have you been to the mall and you, well, when there was malls, I think they're like outdoor stuff now, but they still have this thing that says you are here. And it's real big and a star around it. And I stood at those things and I was like, and I'd be looking. I was like, I'm not here because that's not there. And I would stand and argue with the sign. Now, how many have done that? Come on, see ya. I'm not the only one. I was like, I can't be over here because I was just over there. But you got to know where you're at. Where are you? Are you even a Christian? Are you a baby in Christ? That you should desire the, the seal, to seal milk of the word, the Bible says. Are you a toddler? Are you grown up in the things of God? Where are you? Do you know the Father? Does he know you? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Do you know your purpose in life? I lo- like what Pastor said. He's like, if you don't, you, that's all you do. You need to be really going after that if you don't know that. And that's my heart prayer for that, too that you need to be going after and find out what your purpose is. You don't want to live a life and get to the end of your life and say, I didn't do anything. I didn't do what God called me to do because I didn't know. That won't be an excuse. You need to know what you're supposed to do. Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he was. And he knew what he came to do. He came to die for your sins. You know, Peter, I mentioned him in the beginning. Uh, I can preach about Peter because I've been Peter, you know, just all, you know, all in my emotions and feelings and stuff. You know, that's what that, that Peter problem, he was emotional. He was. But then when the Holy Ghost came, amen, he got better. Amen. He, he, it was all over with. But he would, he would just, you know, he would just really go there. Poor Peter. We're going to read a scripture about him in a minute. 
So Matthew 6, 19 and 24. Uh, 19, I will give you keys to the kingdom, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Then he, he charged the disciples they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forward began Jesus to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things of the elders and the priests and the scribes and be killed and then raised again on the third day. So can you imagine how many times Jesus told them that? He probably said, now remember, this is going to happen. They're going to come get me. They're going to kill me. I'm going to rise from the dead. He probably told them a lot of times. We, you know, this is the account, but I'm sure he said it before. Well, here's Peter. Then Peter took to him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, God. This shall not happen to you. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. I already told you I'm going to go, and I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm called to do. So you're an offense to me. And we know Peter went, I mean, just cutting off the man's ear. He was so passionate, but it was displaced. And so we can't be displacing our emotions. And I had a struggle for that for a long time. You cannot let your emotions run your life. You cannot let your emotions run your life. So if you know that you have a problem with that, and I don't know, maybe it's because growing up as a little girl, I saw those movies, and you know, you see them little love movies. You go, oh, oh, that's so, oh, did they, they got married and they had a baby and they live in a white picket, you know, all this stuff. I don't know what it is. It could have came, which I'm sure, down from the generations where it's a whole bunch of emotional women and a whole bunch of emotional men that can't get a hold of their emotions and they live in their emotions. You can't make no decisions, no good decisions on your emotions. I want y'all to hear me today. I, I remember when I was, um, and it's a long story. If you want to hear my testimony, I do have some copies from 2012 of the divorce and all that kind of stuff. But um, one thing that I knew that going through that whole process, it was, it was rough, but I knew what the Lord had said. I knew what he was going to do with my life. I, he had showed me some things, and I already knew what was planned out. And so when you have other suggestions and stuff, you know they're from the devil, right? So we're going to stand against those. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. This is what I want to do. Okay. So you still have to decide what you want from the Lord. And just as Peter was being all in his emotions and stuff, you got to cut that off. Oh, thank you, Lord. So when I was married, um, the Lord had led me to go on a fast for seven days, and it was totally nothing. And at the end of that fast, God gave me clear instructions on what to do. Um, one thing he talked to me about is to set my affections on things above and not on this earth because my emotions would have made me stay and find reasons to stay, but the Lord was leading me out. Now, I'm just telling you my testimony, okay? So don't be talking about Sister Alondra said she got divorced. You know what I'm saying? It's all in prospect. It's all how it's supposed to be. So I want to get that clear. So after seven days, the Lord gave me these things, 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 things to do. But I had to get out of my emotions to do that because my emotions would have tied me there. It tied me there all that time. You know, this life, what is that movie, lifetime movie thing you have in your head? I, I don't know what it is. 
But the Lord broke it. And that fast, it broke. And when I got ready to leave, it was like the power of God was resting on me. I said, okay, um, hey, I'm going to leave. And here's the bills right here. You know, you got to pay this, 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 this. And, you know, whatever. And, but I didn't let my emotions I stayed with the decision because the Lord had told me what to do. I knew what he told me to do. So I wasn't going to get caught up back in the emotions of, well, just do this. No, do what I told you to do. And let me tell you this. I separated for a while because the Bible talks about separating. So I didn't go out and, you know, like some people had a divorce on the computer, just push the button. No, I I didn't do that. Let me just make that clear. It It was two years I was separated. Amen. So you got to decide what you want. The Lord wanted me to share that. Amen. That was not in my notes. (laughs) Praise God. But you have to decide what you want from the Lord. Do you want to be a vessel of honor? Do you want to be a vessel of gold, silver, or wood? You get to choose. 2 Timothy says, you need to mark that in your Bible if you haven't already. 2 Timothy 20 and 22. You can decide what you want to do in the Lord. You can decide however far you want to go because it's right here. Amen. So the last thing I'm going to share because it's in my notes and I really believe the Lord gave me this. So a lot of the victories that I've had during out my life has been because I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, when I was contemplating having a, uh, not having an affair, committing adultery, I didn't have the Holy Ghost. Amen. So in 1995, it was November. I'll never forget it. I was at a Jesse Duplantis uh, meeting, and it was over in Pasadena. Ooh, and it was good. If you, y'all have heard Jesse Duplantis. And it's like he looked at me in the balcony because I was in the nosebleed seats way at this church. And he said, "Is somebody that's been seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, you lift your hands and you receive it now by faith. So when I did that, I lifted my hands and I felt this warm sensation, all, all that are going around me, and I received it then. The Lord, but then the Lord, it didn't manifest. So I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't understand why it didn't happen. So he took me to Acts 19, and read that in your quiet time. It talks about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Didn't I know that it was there? The Lord showed it to me. And I grew up in a church that spoke against that. That stuff was still in my heart, so I couldn't openly receive it because I had so many questions. But it was the Lord that took me to Acts 19 and said this, this, and this. So it manifested one morning in my room. I started praying and thanking God, and I was filled with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. I didn't have to jump through no hoops. I didn't have to tarry at the altar. I believe I received it by faith. So part of it, or all of it, is that you know where you are. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Because you can make, you need the Holy Ghost to make decisions, guys. You can't just be out here, no, I love the Lord, he heard my, you need the Holy Ghost. So it can burn up some stuff in your life, and so you can deal with the deal. I'm just going to leave that just like that, deal with the deal. So it is power in knowing. What do you know? What do you want to know? So in my class, I've done the KWL chart. Have y'all heard of that KW? Some of your teachers have probably used that. What you know, the K is what I know, the W is what I want to know, and the L is what I learn. So I want you to access what you know. 
If you got to write on a long paper, long pencil, whatever, write in your iPad, what do you know? Because Jesus knew who he was. He knew why he came. What do you know? Do you know where you're at? Do you know where you're going? Do you know what you already know? Think about that KWL chart and write it out when it comes to the things of the Lord. And God will use your life. Amen. He wants to take you to another place. You, are, you were not born to just stay right here and just come to church. You were made to do more. You were made to do what your, your gifting is. And only you can do that. So we're not all up here, you know, because of whatever. It's because the grace of God that I'm saved. Amen. It's the grace of God that I'm standing here today. No, nothing of my own. No choosing of my own. It's the Lord. Amen. So I want you to do your KWL chart. It's my challenge to you this morning. The K is, let me say it again, what you know, what you want to know, and be honest. If you want to know how to stay saved or if you want to know, you know, how to, to keep borders around your life, I want you to really assess that. Oh, thank you, Brother Dwayne. What you know, what you want to know, and what you learn. And take that to the Lord. Amen. That's my challenge for you this morning. Amen. That's the word the Lord gave me this morning. Amen. And I pray it blessed you. So in closing, I want to quote uh, from the movie Titanic. I, I preached this in some part. I can't remember how it came out. But the quote is, a woman's heart is deep is a deep ocean of secrets. A woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets. You know, there are so many things can happen in the span of your life. So many things can happen when you were a little girl, when you were a little boy. And it's those secret things that keep us bound. It's the secret things that tear us up that we don't tell anybody, not even the Lord. My thing for that is to you write it down, journal it. I've been journaling for, for years and some things I can't say, but I could journal it and give it to the Lord. But it's those secret places in your heart that you need to let God in, in prayer. We must deal with the secrets of our heart because that's where the warfare is. That's where we need to let the Lord help us. You will go through seasons. Sometimes you'll go through seasons that were designed to totally wipe you out. But if you go ahead and deal with the deal, just deal with it. And I'm telling you, your life will change. This is also my cry this morning. Stop, start, and stopping when it comes to the things of the Lord. Stop it. That's a curse. It's carnal and it's fleshly. You don't have to keep starting and stopping. You on one minute and you off the next. You cussing somebody out. You praying for somebody. Stop it. Just stop. Just decide. Let that be on your KW choice. I know I got a problem with that. So stop it. God wants to use you. He wants to use you, but you got to deal with the secret things in your heart. I challenge you to access your life. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for a church. But if you're going in circles and you don't know the head from the tail and you offended every three minutes, not even every five minutes, every three minutes, stop it. Stop it today. Amen? Every eye closed, every head bowed.